Since the beginning of the church, persecution has been part of the Christian experience. In fact, the Bible tells us that all who seek to live a godly life will be persecuted. Today, an estimated 360 million Christians are living under severe religious restriction. On this podcast, we share their stories. And we answer the question, how can American Christians live as Christ in an increasingly hostile culture? The way of the persecuted is the harder way. And this is the Harder Way Podcast. Hello, everyone. I'm Scott. And I am Maddie, and welcome to the Harder Way Podcast. In today's episode, we're going to be discussing why a redefinition of suffering is absolutely necessary if we want to live the harder way. A redefinition of suffering. So you you would think we need to redefine our understanding of suffering? Absolutely. The American church needs to redefine Mm -hmm. it? Okay. Absolutely. The way that we think about suffering in America today, I think, is not only harmful, but is really unbiblical. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. So I don't know how many of you out there have have heard this. I'm sure most of you. But many of you have probably heard that God, you know, really just wants us to be happy, healthy, and wealthy, right? God just wants us to uh, just have all the worldly prosperity, and that's his main goal for us. Yeah, you know, if you look at preaching over since, uh, well, really since uh, the 70s, it's progressively moved towards behavior modification. Mm-hmm. Like these are the techniques that you need to modify your behaviors so that you can be happy, healthy, and wealthy. Yeah. And avoid suffering. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's also about, you know, um, how do I use scripture to justify mm, yeah. this happy, healthy, wealthy Life. So before we go forward, are you trying to tell me that the Lord does not want us to be happy? That he does not want us to have good health? That he does not want us to be prosperous? Are you saying that? No, I'm not saying that at all. So first of all, I want to say that uh, when we think about happiness, you know, happiness is more of an emotion, right? But joy is something that comes from within. Mm. And we know that God wants us to have joy in all things, and that we can have joy even in really difficult circumstances. And when it comes to things like physical health and uh, financial prosperity and all of those things, those can be great things, and you're not uh, a sinner for having any of those things. And in many ways, God may bless you with those things, but he also may bless you by allowing you to go through seasons where you don't have those things. And I think that One thing I just want to touch on quickly is the fact that many churches right now are really teaching that if you have suffering in your life, if you're not where you want to be, um, that it really is just because you don't have enough faith. And I think that's really, really dangerous teaching. And we, that's part of this redefinition of suffering is saying, if you're suffering, it's not because you don't have enough faith. And I think that saying that is really a, a disrespect and slap in the face to our persecuted brothers and sisters who have so much faith that they're willing to die for their faith. Right, that's a lot of faith. So that so I think that most American Christians don't even have that level of faith. How can we say that, you know, if they just had more faith, they wouldn't be they wouldn't be suffering. They wouldn't be being put in jail or not being able to find food or any of those things. You know, I was talking to a brother uh, in a persecu- in the, from the persecuted church just recently, 
and we're able to email. We try to email kind of in code mm. uh, a little bit just yeah. in case the stuff's being scanned. And we'll sometimes we'll, we'll type words using characters and things instead of the actual letters to, to communicate. And then we're doing it across different languages, so it's even more challenging. Yeah. <laughs> but, Super but spy. I would say 99% of it, we both understand what we're saying to each other. Um, and recently, I was basic, I was expressing my lament that I was not able to help my friend, this pastor, mm-hmm. even more than we already do. Yeah. And I was I was re- referencing the the great suffering that that the Christians in this persecuted area are currently going through. And in his response, he said this phrase that just really shook me, uh, but it didn't shake me and shake my faith. It shook me into a place where I was more grounded in Jesus. Mm. So a, he, a good shaking. A good shaking. And what he said was this. After all, brother, suffering is part of the gospel. Wow. So part of the good news is suffering. Okay. Mm. So we have, Very anti-American. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, you know, I think about Wang Mingdao. Wang Mingdao was, one, it was considered one of the three Iron Men of China. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was a Chinese pastor. Uh, he was considered the father of the Chinese house churches, in fact. And he was put in prison for 24 years mm. for his faith. Now, this is a little-known part of the story. This is through personal um, uh, personal revelation, not from a book or anything. But when he went to prison, they told him, just renounce your faith and we'll let you go. And he did. He renounced his faith. He said, fine. Because he thought, well, I'll just say the words. I don't mean them. Yeah. And I'll go back, pastor my church, yeah. be with my family. He was so burdened by what he had done that he went back to the to the authorities in mm-hmm. China and he turned himself in and he said, I have to take back my recanting of my faith. I am a wow. Christian. Willingly I believe in Jesus. going back into prison. And they said, okay, fine. And they threw him in jail and he spent 24 years in prison for his wow. faith. 24 years. And during his time in prison, there were five months straight where he was in handcuffs. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And he referred to this twenty uh, to this as his honeymoon with Jesus. Because wow. in the midst of his suffering, Jesus was with him. But That's let's incredible. go back to scripture. Uh, what does the Bible say about suffering? Well, I think we can look at what the Bible shows us about suffering and then also some specific verses. But I think one of the first things that we can look at is the fact that Jesus suffered. I think there's a quote from Martin Luther where he basically says, uh, they gave our master a crown of thorns. Why would we expect a crown of roses? Ooh, that's good. And so if Jesus, who we've talked about a few times on this show, the fact that he uh, is our archetype, meaning the person that we should be striving to be like in our human existence. Example of the ideal human. Yes. And obviously we can never achieve that because Jesus was not just a great guy. Jesus uh, was and is fully God and fully man. Mm -hmm. But, But he lived out that example. If suffering was part of his journey, why would we think that it wouldn't be part of our journey, those who are seeking to be like him and seeking to follow him. Yeah, but I really feel like if I'm trying to understand my faith, I shouldn't use logic or reason. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What's the point of that? (laughs) What's the point of that? That was sarcasm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and also you think about the Apostle Paul. Who gave us most of the New Testament. Who gave us, yeah, two-thirds of it. And Paul, 
you know, he cried out to the Lord and he said, scripture says he cried out three times for the Lord to take this thorn from his flesh. And yet the Lord Mm -hmm. said, no, son, this is paraphrasing, by the way, this this is the Scott (laughs) paraphrase. No, son, I can't take that away from you because you need to learn that my grace is sufficient for you. Mm -hmm. I will get you through, you know, and of course we can, we can extrapolate on what the thorn in his flesh was. What, what do you, what is one of your ideas about what Paul's thorn in the flesh might've been or one of the ones you've heard? Well, I've I've heard a certain idea, and this for all you listeners, this is actually my dad's idea. Um, but there's an idea that we kind of have that his thorn in his flesh may have been the guilt and the shame that he felt about the Christians that he was responsible for persecuting and the Christians that were killed as a result of uh, of his work prior to his conversion. Yeah, and that, and that could have been it. But there's other ones that are legitimate as well. One that goes around is people say, well, I think maybe you, he had hard, a hard time seeing well after he had the, yeah, the skills over his eyes. Yeah, an actual physical but I'm like, I guess I guess the Lord does partial healing. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Um, and obviously lots of people have feelings that it's like a, some sort of sexual sin mm-hmm. or something of that nature. I think it's because a lot of people can kind of relate to that type of thing. Yeah. But I think it's really interesting, though, that... Uh, it's not specified, yeah. which means that we can we can then imagine ourselves in his position because all of us have at least one, more like multiple thorns in our flesh. And so when we hear the Apostle Paul referring to his, we can think about uh, what it is that we're dealing with. Right. And this is one of the things that people don't always understand about the Bible. And that is that Oftentimes the Bible leaves out details intentionally mm-hmm. because the because the information might actually distract you from the truth that it, that the scripture yeah. is trying to reveal to you. And so you you're right Paul's actual thorn the source of it its nature is not revealed and that is intentional. It's so that we like you said we can see ourselves in Paul's suffering mm-hmm. and identify our own suffering whatever it is with that and Absolutely. we can take away the message that Paul received from God which is God's grace is sufficient for us in our suffering. 100%. And it's interesting because you think about these people that will say, you know, if you're suffering it's just because you don't have enough faith. Well, you've got you've got some issues there if that's what you believe because, you know, if you think that's true, then you might as well ignore two-thirds of the New Testament because why would you uh, take as scripture something that was written by someone that you would say doesn't even have that strong of a faith? Oh, that's, that's, that's true. <laughs> it's kind of dangerous. Wow. And I think I want to point out as well, we talked first about the fact that Jesus suffered, and then we moved on to... You know, the Apostle Paul. And people will say, well, why even mention Paul? Like, Jesus is obviously much more important. The reason that I thought it was important to include Paul and his suffering is the fact that I've heard people say that Jesus' suffering was different because it had to happen, right? We Mm. know that Jesus had to be crucified. He had to die so that he would, you know, resurrect, that he could save us from our sins. And so they'll say, well, Jesus suffered so that we don't ever have to suffer. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. But here's the issue with that. Jesus himself told us that we would have suffering because he told his followers 
uh, that they would have tribulations in this world. He told mm-hmm. his followers that because the world hated him, that they would hate them as well. And when he's talking to them, he's talking to us. Right. Right. When he's speaking to his disciples, he's speaking to those of us who are his disciples. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the world hated me first. Don't be worried if the world hates you. It hated me first. He promises, you know, we were talking about happiness that word blessed in the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, mm-hmm. blessed, the Greek word behind there, could be translated as happy. Interesting. But happy as, as in the sense of fulfilled, satisfied, you know, uh, having like a, a robust kind of a life is, is, uh, is the idea that's being conveyed through the Greek word there. And so Jesus is kind of saying, happy are you when people persecute you and accuse you and say evil against you for his name's sake, mm-hmm. right? So um, why would he promise that and say there's a blessing in that and that there's a, a there's happiness in that yeah, absolutely. if it wasn't true? Yes, yeah. because that's a, da- that's a dangerous place to be. I don't know about any of you out there, but the last thing that I would ever want to do is uh, willingly contradict anything that Jesus has told us or to say that something that Jesus has said is not true. Yeah, I wouldn't do that. That's not where I want to be. Don't do that. And we see then obviously Jesus himself telling us this, but also uh, the book of Jesus, right? We know the Bible is the book of Jesus. We, we also see teachings on this beyond Jesus himself speaking. Um, We see this in our key verse for our podcast, second Timothy three 12, where we we're told that all who seek to live a godly life will be persecuted. But we're also told in some of the epistles. Oh, hang on, um, hang on. Before you go on, just so you know, suffering is always included in persecution. There's no persecution without suffering. So when you say, we say right. persecution, yeah, we're including suffering in that, right? Right, absolutely. Because suffering is something that you, you can't be persecuted and not be suffering because right. that doesn't, <laughs> doesn't That's really right. Make like sense. you can't be a martyr without being persecuted and you can't be persecuted without suffering. So in a martyrdom, yeah. suffering, persecution are included. It's a whole yeah. thing about rectangles and squares and one being the other and not exactly, all the other. But exactly. Anyway. I have a diagram. <laughs> anyway, yes. Uh, so in, in the New Testament specifically, uh, in some of the epistles, we're told that suffering draws us closer to God and that it actually strengthens us. We see this all throughout the New Testament. And I want to note specifically that a good portion of the New Testament was written to a church that was enduring suffering and was actively being persecuted. Mm, yeah. the, the first book uh, that I'm going to read from, I'm just going to say a verse here from the book of James, James 1, 2 through 4, which says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. I think Paul says something similar in Romans. He mm-hmm. says in Romans 5, 3 through 5, he says, Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing mm-hmm. that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And I got to tell you, when I'm talking to persecuted pastors mm-hmm. and I talk to them about suffering and restriction and persecution and martyrdom and all those kinds of things, I ask them, is it always the same level? No, it's not always the same level. Sometimes it intensifies and gets a lot worse. Sometimes it get backs off to where it's very little. Okay, what are you thinking? What are you doing when it gets worse? It gets harder. It gets more challenging. 
And they said, we always keep in mind that when suffering increases, Mm -hmm. the church matures, the church Mm. grows, the church is purified. Because the folks who were just kind of hanging out for the party, coming along because it's a country club, you know, just there for the fellowship, coffee and donuts, they're out of there once there's a cost. Absolutely. So imagine in your church... And I'm not saying you want to grow your church backwards, but imagine in your church if only the only people that were there were the ones who were sold out for Jesus and were fully committed. Yeah. What kind of incredible fellowship and community, and we talked about that last week, community, would there be if everybody that was there, if it was all just people who were completely sold out for Jesus? Yeah. Imagine all, the, pretty crazy. imagine all the nonsense that you wouldn't have to deal with as a pastor. All the drama and all everything. The drama, <laughs> it would be mostly resolved. Yeah. It would be very little. It'd be yeah, right. absolutely. And you'd start to understand then why there are some pastors I've heard of, uh, particularly in China, uh, who actually pray for there to be persecution in uh Western countries because they're they they're praying for our church to be strengthened and to be purified and so they will pray for what for western christians to endure uh persecution because they they know that purifying strengthening effect that it has on the body of christ yeah i will tell you that is the truth and it's shocking when they say to you we are praying for you in america mm-hmm. because we can't comprehend how you can stay on the path how you can stay walking with jesus with all of the temptations you have to draw you off the path, with things mm. being so easy for you. And of course, we do have our own forms of restriction and things that they might be unrecognizable to them because they're not uh, used to it. I like to say sometimes we have the persecution of prosperity. Yeah. Because we have so, many, cho- so many ways to choose anything but God mm-hmm. that it makes it easy. But, you know, um, I was in China. Oh, this is a long time ago. And I had the privilege of meeting with a man named Samuel Lam. Samuel Lam is also one of those big deal Christians like In Wang China. Ming Dao. Yeah. yeah, little tiny guy. I bet she wasn't. I bet she wasn't five feet tall. And oh, maybe wow. I bet she weighed ninety, a hundred pounds. Mm-hmm. I have a picture of us together. He looks like he's like my nine year old daughter. I mean, so small. <laughs> I mean, um, yeah. anyway, very wise, very a very uh, committed man. Twenty nine years in prison. Twenty nine years mm. in prison. Uh, they finally gave up on killing him. They gave him the most dangerous job in the mining operation that his the people in his prison were working on for the last um, for the last uh, couple years that he was in prison. And he was the only person that he knew of uh, the entire time that he was there that actually. Uh, lasted more than a few weeks because without of the, being killed, without being killed, wow. he was there for like almost I think two years. He said, and then they let him out finally. But I asked him. I said, I said, Pastor Lamb, how do we prepare for more religious restriction in America? And he said, Learn to love suffering. Hmm. To which I thought, Well, that's not much of an answer. Yeah. How do you learn to love something that's awful? And it took me a long time. Because this was, what, over 20 years ago at this yeah, point? Yeah, prob- Or around 20 years ago, probably. Yeah. It took me a long time to understand what he meant. And what he meant was, I'm giving you some gold here right now, is that God has a great purpose in our suffering. Mm. And that if we will, um, that we don't have to like it, that we don't have to want it, we don't have to pursue it, but that when it comes, 
-hmm. recognize God's hand in it, and that gives you cause for love. And the other thing that gives you cause for loving suffering is recognizing that there is an intimacy with Jesus that can only be known through suffering. That's true. Yeah. That's absolutely true. And I think that then that would be our redefinition, our redefining of suffering then is that the 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 way to redefine suffering in a way that allows you to walk the harder way is looking at suffering as something to embrace. Yeah. Like you said, it doesn't mean that it's something that you are seeking out, but something that you can embrace and kind of like what, what Pastor Lamb said, love. Because if we look at scripture, we can see, you know, Paul telling us that we should rejoice in suffering. We we saw James telling us that we should count the suffering as joy. So it's about choosing to embrace the suffering. But I want to just talk really briefly about how can we embrace suffering without being... Masochist? Yeah, without being masochist, <laughs> without, you know, because we're not telling anybody to force suffering upon themselves. There's nothing holy about flogging yourself, no. right? Or inflicting pain or harm upon yourself. That is not something we would ever advocate for at all. Well, we, you know, the thing is, is that before I res- respond to that, I just want to say we live in a fallen world. Mm, and the yeah. Cubans have a saying, they say total bien. Everything's good. Even when it's not good, they'll tell you total bien. Everything's good. I, I, and I like to tell them that you should say total roto. Everything's broken. Because <laughs> in, in yeah. Cuba and in, in many third world countries I've been to, everything is broken. And nice TV, but it's broken. Nice air conditioner, but, but it's, it's broken. broken. <laughs> right. And uh, it, our creation is that way as well. When, when the fall took place... You know, at the garden, in the Garden of Eden, the fall took place. Everything became broken. Our our DNA doesn't function right anymore. Our our immune systems don't function right. Diseases, you know, bacteria mm-hmm. doesn't do what it's supposed to do. Germs don't do what they're supposed to do. Plants don't act the way they're supposed to act or grow the way they're supposed to. Animals don't act. Nothing acts the way it's supposed Every to. Every single thing, down to the smallest molecule. Yeah. Yeah. Right, I mean, our bodies. We don't. When we reproduce, people are born without limbs or born with extra parts and things, and it's mm-hmm. everything's broken. Okay, so suffering is a part of the human condition. It's everybody suffers, Christian or not. Everybody suffers. Yeah. But one of the blessings that we have, and this is part of embracing it, is recognizing that in our suffering, there can be meaning and there can be a purpose. Mm. Make sense? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So, like, there was a guy named Gichin Funakoshi. Funakoshi is the guy that founded Shotokan Karate. And in his memoirs, I was really impressed by reading this one aspect, what, one of the things that made him different from his peers. And that was that when a, when a typhoon would hit Okinawa, uh, and those great winds are coming up, and, you know, it's, it's a very damaging event. People yeah. die, uh, you know... Your crops get messed up. Your your homes get damaged. Uh, I mean, it's really bad, and especially at the time when he was living, at the beginning of the of the twentieth century, it was really devastating. And when there was a typhoon, he would get up on the roof of his house, tie himself to the roof, and practice his balance. Wow! <laughs> oh my goodness! Right. So that's, that's kind of yeah. That's what our attitude should be with suffering. 
Yes, it's going to do damage. Yes, it's going to hurt. Yes, it's going to create a lot of negatives. Yes, there's going to be extensive cleanup afterwards. But when you're mm-hmm. in the midst of it, strap yourself to the roof, get up there and practice yeah. your balance. We're not ca- we're not causing the typhoon. No. We're not trying to make typhoons happen, but I think it's about it's embracing suffering, choosing to love suffering is about how we respond to it, which yes. is like what you just said. It's about looking at suffering at at the times when God in his providence allows it to happen. Allows is the yeah, key we're, word. We're not saying allows. Yes, that when God in his providence allows us to go through suffering, we need to not look at it as a punishment from God or look at it as something that uh, is coming as a result of us not having enough faith or not praying hard enough. We need to look at it as something that is is a powerful tool to grow our relationship with God. We need to look at it as something that is a powerful tool to grow our testimony. And we know how powerful those are. Right. And we need to look at it as a way, uh, as something that we can find joy in because we can find joy in having deep abiding intimacy with Christ, which you mentioned earlier is something that uh, can happen through suffering. So I think it's about looking at what God can do in and through us while we are enduring suffering. Right. We can, if you think of spiritual growth in, as a ramp, you might get a, you might get a wrong impression. I always think mm. of it as stair steps. Okay. And so I feel like you have like seasons where you're climbing straight up that, the, the wall of a step. Mm. Then you step on the next level, you level up and then it's, it's flat for a second. Yeah, and then you're pretty easy. It's kind of nice. And then, you know, it's, you get a little break and then you're climbing the wall Straight again. Straight up. Right. And suffering are, comes in those seasons of climbing the wall. Hmm. But if we didn't have that, we wouldn't, it would really limit us in our growth. You know, if you think about it, an airplane needs resistance to fly. That's what creates lift is the is a, a right. electrical circuit needs resistance to flow. If you just put, um, you know, a current to a circuit and there's no resistance, it'll just run through it and burn everything up. Nothing works, right? You need resistance yeah. for, for the, uh, for electricity to work. And my, my electronics degree is failing me right now. I have one, but it's been a few decades <laughs> and I'm, I can picture the electrons flowing uh, through the circuit. But anyway, you need, you need resistance. And so God knows we need resistance in our lives to grow. If everything's easy, we become complacent. Yeah. Because comfort is the enemy of growth. Yeah. Right. So we need discomfort to cause us to grow. And so it's a necessary thing. I was going to say necessary evil, but I really think of it more like there's there's even evil, there's brokenness in this world. And God's like, okay, I'm going to allow some to come your way so Mm -hmm. you can grow. Well, we can think about the the story of Joseph. Right. And him saying to his brothers who did horrible things to him. What you intended for evil, God intended for good. Well, that's the line. I mean, that's it. And so we can look at suffering as something that, uh, you know, the intent, right, may be evil. A person doing something to us or the enemy attacking us or any any variety of things. But that God uses it for our good. Yeah, and I think that um, we have to remember that... When we're thinking of suffering and we're talking about the things we're talking about, there's going to be somebody listening to this who is in a really 
awful situation that mm-hmm. makes no sense. Yeah. A child having cancer. Yeah. Um, you know, something like that. It makes no yeah. sense. An unspeakable tragedy, uh, something that's not yeah. just, you know, I'm we, having a hard time at work. Right. We probably shouldn't even, shouldn't even list them. Yeah. Uh, but, but, but if you, that's you and you're going through this, I want you to understand this, that, that you may not see the, the reason you may not understand why these things are happening. You may not know God's purpose in this moment, in this season. You may, maybe decades, you may not even fully understand it until you get to heaven, but know this, that the truth is that whatever you're going through is for your good. Ultimately, not that it is good or feels good, but that it is for your good and it's for God's glory. Mm -hmm. And that it's a typhoon. The winds are unbearable. Strap yourself to the roof, which I would say would be like, strap yourself to the rock of Jesus. Yes. Lean into the wind. Mm. Practice your faith. Mm. Absolutely. And that's our encouragement to all of you, to everyone out there that's listening, no matter what it is that you are going through, whether it's a big issue or a tiny issue or whatever it is, that we would encourage you to redefine suffering. Change the way you respond to the suffering that you face in your life, because we all face suffering Mm -hmm. to some degree throughout our lives. But if we can change the way we respond, if we can learn to embrace suffering and we can learn how to grow closer to God through suffering, that's walking the harder way. It is. And we can go from griping to gratitude. Well, friends, listen, we just want you to know that we're not speaking about this in the hypothetical. We have lived uh, suffering. We Mm -hmm. continue to have various kinds of suffering in our lives. And we know from experience that this is, yes, the harder way, but it is the better way. Okay, well, we will catch you guys next Friday when we come to talk with you and share about the harder way once again. Mm -hmm. God bless you guys. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Harder Way podcast. If you were encouraged by this episode, please consider sharing it with a friend or leaving us a review. To be the first to know when we publish new episodes, subscribe to the Harder Way podcast on your favorite platform. Until next time, remember the words of Christ. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven.